You're listening to the Detroit is Different Podcast Network. It's the pop overnight, so here's the fireworks near and dare I'm holding tight. Since the slums took a village, folk raised me right. Fictive kin and siblings were like a pilot light. Small flame to ignite, fire my future bright. Seen the superstars, if I'm singing on Luther's mic. Total package, Lex Luger on these niggas. My appeal massive, straight glue on you niggas. Grab a mic in cities whenever opportune. Step out at night pretty, call it a full moon. Since my exit from the womb in June. Blessed with the necessities, but never had a silver spoon. Been in the game long. Long enough to have diehards. Nothing lasts forever. Some close, others fall. Welcome back to the Piper Carter podcast. You are listening to Piper Carter, and I am in the building, which means that I'm on Zoom because right now we're on uh, kind of temporary lockdown because of COVID in Michigan with my illustrious co host, Brittany. What's up, Brittany? Peace, Pipe. How you doing? What's up, Dave? What up, though, y'all? How's it going? Good. Good. Jaira. Had a good week. Hey, Jaira. What's up, everyone? What up, though, Jaira? Yes, my week was good, Deja. How was yours? It was cool. Couldn't wait till Friday. It was my first off day in, like, a week. Hey. So, it was nice. Actually, no. I was off on Thursday, which was Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. Happy yeah, related good. Thanksgiving, listeners. Happy belated Thanksgiving. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I was happy to have days off, too. Did y'all have a good Thanksgiving? Hi. Well, you know, I don't actually technically celebrate that holiday of Thanksgiving, per se, because of the roots are connection to genocide, you know? Yes. But, um, But what I did do is I... I, you know, I always use, I always appreciate the opportunity to spend time with my family and we were at the house and me and my mom cooked together. And that was a really, really, really powerful experience because I've never cooked a holiday dinner. Honestly, I've always brought like one dish to like a family dinner, but I never cooked like the entire dinner, you know? And so, yeah, I made, um, homemade cranberry sauce, homemade cornbread, and um, homemade mac and cheese with like the little uh, panko uh, crumbles on top. And my mom wanted turkey, so she cooked the turkey. And, um, you know- Did you use anything from your garden? You know, I was gonna cook greens and stuff and and in a sweet potato pie and, uh, but then I was like, eh, I'm not gonna make all this food. So no, I made string beans though. So yeah. Um, and so yeah, fresh string beans that I sauteed with like garlic and cayenne and olive oil and mustard. And yeah, those were pretty awesome. So yeah, yeah. What, what did, what did y'all do? Did y'all cook or relax? Um, yeah. I didn't cook. My family did. I just ate. <laughs> yeah, same. My mom cooked. It was delicious. Everything was so good. Um, like you guys said, I really don't celebrate Thanksgiving. Um, but I did like look up YouTube videos of like native food and natives talking about the day and how like what their perspective was on the day and just mm. seeing like different parts of the world really 
embrace native cuisine and I've never had it. I mean, I've had it, some of the foods, like, but just not like knowing that that it was like native cuisine, but it was just interesting to me to see um, it like really being embraced. You know what I mean? I would like to see a native uh, American cuisine restaurant. Can you tell us like what types of foods you're speaking of? Yeah, like simple things like wild rice, uh, blue uh, corn, like hush, like it's like like a pudding almost. And it's like blue. And then like I imagine it will taste somewhat like grits, but like more savory. Or you could probably make it sweet. Um, I'm trying to think of the meat they had. I can't remember it, but like super into side dishes. And most of it is like, you know, grain. It comes from corn. Um, very similar to like uh, Mexican cuisine, uh, but very distinctive with like the type of like vegetables that are used, you know, because it represents, you know, uh, things that are found in the native land. So I thought it was pretty cool. Definitely. Thank you. Hey, Jaira, what what were you up to? Um, mostly just, uh, I did a lot of, well, I was spending time with family, but I did a lot of like self um, studying. I kind of was studying how to hack and Linux and using Linux more. Like over the weekend, I was, um, I actually hacked my parents <laughs> and found out, I figured out their location and where they were without being near them. And I also figured out what devices they were using. And I created a fake Instagram and fake uh, Facebook. Yeah, so. Wow, you really are a hacker. (laughs) Yeah, that sounds like some like Dexter's Laboratory type stuff. Like, um, what, like, what did you learn? Or like, what did you, like, what piqued your interest the most? Like doing, like what you were doing? Well, I was doing it more so to figure out what can I do to help prevent them from being on the other side? Like, what if it wasn't me doing this? What if I was just a random person trying to get their information? And I was trying to figure out what can I do to help prevent this from happening to them from someone random. Okay. And how did it go? Well, it takes a while. I'm still in the, um, I'm still pen testing it. So I'm still in the stages of figuring out a solution to figuring a way to not uh, get them hacked. It's still kind of difficult because they click on everything that they see. So <laughs> um, it's very hard to try to block it from their phone without them, without, without, without restricting them from everything. When you say they click on everything they see, you mean like they're on a they when they're on the computer or when they're on their phone, they just see pop-ups and they'll click the pop-up. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, they do it un you know unknowingly. So like my mom gets text messages on her phone, like, hey, pay your phone bill, click this link to you know pay it. And you know, they end up clicking it and they're like, oh, it takes them to a blank page, which means that they're getting your banking information. So yeah, it's it's I I'm really trying to get really deep into this um, cybersecurity so that I can be like at my best. And I know I'm not gonna be at my best 
for a long time, but I would just try to be the best and just learn as much as I can. Yeah. That's dope, Jaira. Yeah, it's super dope. Like, we talk about bioweapons in the form of, like, COVID, but, I mean, seriously, there's going to be a huge wave of, like, weapons in the the form of cyber cyber weapons. So the fact that you're going to be able to help people... Uh, during the, during that time frame, it's gonna be kind of cool. Yeah, little yeah. people, do, little do people know, um, China has like a very very big uh, cyber force, and it's kind of scary because they can take control of anything. Like if they wanted to, they could they can deploy missiles, nuclear missiles, on our own territory if they really wanted to. Yeah, and also too, you know, a lot of. I mean, that's important about like not clicking everything you see. So I know like a lot of different, um, I mean, something that's kind of base level is it like, I know I've seen like Chase Bank or PayPal or these different things, you know, Amazon, different, you know, things you belong to. And it'll say something like um, protect your account, click here to secure your account. Or it'll say somebody used your ID find out, you know, blah, blah, blah. But the best thing to do, if you get like, let's say if it's an email form and you get an email like that, the best thing to do is to click on the address, not click on the address, but like where you have click and see like where it came from. And usually um, it's it's coming from some old wild address that like doesn't make any sense. So you already know that, that they're trying to get into your account. And then as far as like the text messages, like, you know if you signed up, you know what I'm saying, for like different stuff. So if you didn't mm-hmm. sign up to receive, you know, text updates, or even if you did, um, the best thing to do is not to click on stuff when you see it, like especially from your bank, is to call the bank, you know, or yeah. like get on the phone and like make a phone call and be like, did y'all send me this? I got this, blah, blah, blah. Like the best thing is don't click on anything. You know, because that's true. That's how they can actually like read, you know, or if you go to the gas station or whatever, like don't pay for gas with your card in the machine, you know, because they could hack your numbers from the machine. And um, I mean, there's, you know, hackers are able to, I mean, they could hack, you know what I'm saying? Like as we speak, 12 year olds are somewhere are figuring out how to hack into you know, whatever, however, but there's other things that we could do, you know, on our end to try to protect ourselves as much as possible as well. As well as keep this change of passwords often and have Agreed. You know, 16 character passwords with different characters in them, you know, and don't have recognizable names or, you know, easy to understand words and stuff like try to use some of those interesting characters in your password and and you know try to change them often like that's just a couple of things you could do just as a regular like non-hacker you know so i don't know you got any other advice for folks gyra well just make sure oh also um like if you have any notifications from your banking um, or just like from Instagram or anything like that, anything that you don't want to get out there to the world, uh, just instead of like clicking on the link, just go and log into the app itself. Because let's say you let's say you don't let's say you do click on the link, um, 
or don't even click on the link. Let's say you just hover over it. Sometimes uh, just like hovering over it, your, your computer will automatically take you to that link sometimes that you recently looked at. And so you just, and you just gotta make sure you don't even open the email because sometimes that can be just as bad as clicking on the link. You just gotta, uh, rather than going to the link and clicking on it, just go into the app itself or going onto the website itself, like the actual one, not anything fake or anything like that. Yeah, that's what's up. So I don't know. So how do y'all want to get into the topics? Which one should we talk about first? You want to go first, Brittany? Um, not necessarily. Um, it's up to you guys. I mean, there's a few things that we could uh, get into. Piper, if you want to get in a, uh, well, you said you really wanted to get in a Fashion Nova. Uh, do you want to talk about the Nigeria tax since that broke today? Well, you know what I'm gonna do first? What's that? I'm gonna, um, so I'm gonna just do our little astrology report. Well, it's not astrology. It's more like a, like a, like a weekly energy forecast, you know? Okay. So this week, you know, or today actually is, uh, we're, we're, we're at the end of December and I'm, I'm sorry, the end of uh, November headed into the, um, beginning of December. And so we're going to, we're basically, today is the 29th and tomorrow is the 30th. And so we're about to embark on this uh, full moon lunar eclipse that's going to fall in Gemini. <clears throat> and so basically, um, Gemini is represented by the twins, you know? And so one twin is uh, like the mortal twin, right? And the other twin is, you know, your immortal twin. So it's basically like one side is dealing, you know, how are we going to navigate this earth plane, right? That's dealing with the earthly plane that we're going to navigate. And then the other side is us dealing with ourselves on this and the universe, right? On the spiritual level. And so this eclipse is going to basically, um, we're, we're, we're going to find that these energies um, are going to cross each other, right? And then um, they're also gonna like help us to separate those things, right? And so what that's gonna look like is, well, let me just say, an eclipse in and of itself always carries a really strong energy. And the eclipses always allow us to take these quantum leaps, you know? And so this particular eclipse, is gonna be a portal that's gonna call us to like either let stuff go, you know, basically just surrender and, um, you know, whatever we need to release, right? Or it's gonna allow whatever needs to come into um, our sphere, our cipher to come to, to, to be able to have a pathway, right? To enter. Um, and so we're gonna maybe, We'll be feeling, you know, um, this, the weight of this transformation. We might feel it, you know, on an external level, right? Which would be that earthly plane that I was talking about. Or, um, you know, we might feel it a bit more internally, right? Some, some, some things emotionally or some, you know, 
psychologically um, or even things from our past life, right? Or even past traumas um, that either need to be removed or will be removed. Um, and, you know, just a lot of the internal, uh, it's a time for like internal detoxing or it can be, right? To rid ourselves of a lot of like negative emotions. Um, and so basically, you know, it's, it's going to be really strong because there's going to be this time period between this lunar eclipse and then there's going to be a solar eclipse that's going to happen on December the 14th and 15th. And that's going to bring us into the sign of um, Sagittarius. And so as we move away from one eclipse into the next, that's a super spiritual sacred like spiritual time and it's they call it a gateway and it's a time of like a heightened energy shift and so things are going to feel like really more magical and we'll just you know but that in that magic we're going to feel a level of uncertainty which could feel like darkness right the unknown and that's but the unknown is not necessarily <laughs> to be feared right um, many times we do fear the unknown because it's unknown, right? It's uncertain. But if we're able to clear out um, or, or release or surrender to the universe, then that's going to pave the way for a really fertile ground. And it's going to be a highly creative time for us to do a lot of new manifestations, right? Um, it's going to be a great time to think about uh, what we wish to attract, and, you know, um, you know, to us. So it's going to be real important to just really honor our bodies, honor our minds, honor our intentions. Um, and, you know, December is the last month of this year. And 2020 has just been a really pivotal year. And, you know, December, you know, it does mark the end of, well, we're talking Gregorian calendar year, but it does mark the end of, of a cycle. And we'll be going into the new year right after that, into this new cycle. And so it's just important, I think, to reflect um, on this year, right? Um, and everything that's happened with COVID, 2020, just everything. I mean, we started off this year with Kobe, right? Um, God rest his soul. And then we went right into this. Um, you know, supposed war that we were supposed to, you know, when the troops uh, were in, were uh, about to pop off in the Middle East, and then we went right into this whole COVID thing, you know. And so um, this is just going to be an important year to just really reflect on 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 everything that's happened over the, the course of 2020 as a place of, like, all the things that we've learned as we've been in this period of uh, uh, settlement and stillness as we've been quarantined in our homes, you know, and just the ways in which we've had to do things in a different way. So we're just going to be looking at this as a place of growth and awareness and all of the gratefulness that we had harnessed this year is just important to move into this next phase with just a heart full of gratitude um, and just looking at how we can strengthen ourselves, you know, how we can strengthen um, our gratitude, like look at where we've risen to a lot of the different challenges that, you know, we've been through 
over this coming year and, um, you know, how we've endured and how we can just practice more gratitude and just um, use this as a as a guide um, and a motivator, you know, moving into 2021. So just wanted to um, just give us that for today. So that's our that's our uh, energy forecast for this week of the 29th through the beginning of December. That's powerful. That was really good. So you want to go next? Because I've been talking a lot. <laughs> well, um, I was going to ask Deja about her thoughts on, do you remember where you sent us those gentrification signs, Deja, that they put up uh, through... Um, North Oakland, that neighborhood mm-hmm. over there. Yeah, Bryce. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, Bryce, this guy named Bryce, I think his name is Bryce D. Trader or something like that on Instagram. Um, he made these <clears throat> signs and like con- like these construction signs and he put them on Oakland um in like the, the Boston Edison district saying um hood closed to gentrifiers and it went viral on the news and everything because obviously white people were upset as they passed by and saw those signs so um yeah he has merchandise as well and I think the city made him remove the signs but um in the interview that I saw on a news station that he did he said that he wasn't done yet and that the signs were only the beginning. So I know he has other merchandise, but I don't know what else he has planned. So we're going to have to bring him on the show, huh? Because we had Bryson here like two years ago. So we got to bring him back. Yeah, that'd be sweet. Yeah, to talk about that. So, um... Yeah, I mean, what what are your thoughts on it? Like anybody, what do y'all think about, you know, that as a, an art project and a movement? I, love I think it. that's I think it's amazing. Like the signs look like actual signs. Like it looks perfectly like a just a normal construction sign and it's super thought provoking. Like I love it. And I saw like he had like Deja said there's other merchandise like t-shirts and stuff like that. So I think it's awesome. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting that they made him take those signs down, right? Yeah, it is. That's why I want to yeah, bring him done. on to talk about that because it's like, you go ahead and take the sign down. Why did he have to take the sign down? Right. <laughs> no, it would have been, I would have been upset if they would have taken the sign down. If something would have happened to the sign, I think I would have been more irritated than them asking him to take it down. I guess. Yeah, probably so. But I'm just like, okay, so you want me to take this sign down, but you can just displace all these humans in this type of uh, 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 um, violent, you know, way. Right. You can you can violently remove humans that have lived here for all this time um, to displace them based on their race. We'll name that and their and and, and and economics. And but a sign bothers you, you know, because the sign bothers the gentrifiers. So if I was exactly I'm, like, I, I, I'm down to like go put more signs up. Let's put some I more s- signs up all over. 
I saw this video. I think it must have taken place in New York or something like that. And um, I won't say something like that. I'm sorry. But I think it might have taken place in New York based off the accent of the black man that was in it. He was arguing with this white woman and her friend about a way that she spoke to some children in the neighborhood because they were riding oh, yeah. their bikes on the on the sidewalk or something and they almost hit her. And I guess they did it a couple times, which is why she was upset. So I guess I don't know what she said, but I just saw him react to what she said. And he was basically telling her that like she's a gentrifier and that she doesn't belong in that neighborhood because if she's going to speak to the children that way, she doesn't need to be there. Those children have grown up there their whole lives and their parents have grown up there and their parents have lived there. And she's disrespecting the community when she does that. So she needed to go. And she was trying to argue that gentrification is a good thing because it uplifts the neighborhood. And that, um, what else did she say? She was saying she she contributed to the neighborhood because she shops at all the local shops that are inside of it. Yeah, yeah. Ridiculous. That's how they think. The people that take neoliberalism. So that's what neoliberalism looks like. Well, Ed is beyond uh, crazy. And when I saw that video, I was just like, he he definitely made a scene, but he definitely did not cross the line. And that's what I loved about it the most. Like he didn't call her out of her name. He didn't, to me, even disrespect her. But he definitely let her know she was wrong. Like. It was perfect. Yeah. It, he said that if that boy's mother was there, she would have smacked her. I know. That was so funny. Oh, wow. Yeah, probably so. I mean, and think about it. Like, I feel disrespected when these white folks come and move in like they dogs poop all over the freaking place. Period. Yes, that is that is super annoying. And speaking of which, um, Deja and Piper, I told you guys that I, uh, I had a friend that was like, you really need to watch this movie, um, the 40-year-old version. And Deja, you mentioned that you had a friend that did one of the songs on a soundtrack. Um, but that took place in, the movie took place in Brooklyn and Harlem, I believe. And the basis was her being like a, a stage playwriter, but also a rapper. And part of her getting new gigs was to kind of like sell her script and allow this producer to kind of like modify it. And the stage play was based on gentrification and they completely took her story and kind of like, you know, molded it to the way that white audiences would be able to digest it to to say it in a filter way. But neither less, the, the, the movie is like an ode to like a, women in hip-hop they even give um piper what's that that battle rap you watch queen of the ring with the girl back yeah uh-huh they gave a tribute to them it was like eight mile to me it was a better scene at eight mile and it was four women you know they shortened each battle and they got a chance to kind of like get off in inside of the movie um i thought it was well written but deja i'll let you kind of talk uh from it from a creative standpoint and then talk about the director because i can't remember who you said directed it um, well, actually, I haven't seen the movie. I just know that um, one of my friends made a song that was in it. Well, he, pro- yeah, he produced a song. 
by a little brother that was in it. That's all I know. Oh man. And it was a good soundtrack too. It was a really, really good soundtrack. Hmm. Like uh So maybe we think, could watch it and deconstruct it. Yeah, I think it would be I think it would be worth it. Do you have clips, Brittany, from it that you wanted to talk about? No, not necessarily. I uh just wondered if you guys have seen it and wondered if you know what you thought of it. And I, like I said, I knew Deja's friend did a song in it, which I think is epic. Cause it's such good music in it. It's such good music. So it makes me wonder, um, like how they went about, you know, creating the soundtrack for it. Yeah. So let's, I think we should probably like do like, is it, is it a series and it's an episodes or it's one movie? It's a, it's a buck out buck 30 movie, maybe. Um, just, a, it's, it's, uh, it's in black and white. I think uh, the girl Lena, I don't know her last name. Oh yeah, she did the uh Queen Queen yeah. of Slim. Yeah, at first I thought it was gonna be a pretty shallow. I was telling Dontrell, I thought it was gonna be a shallow movie, like a cute movie, but like kind of surface shallow. And as the movie developed, it it really got in depth of you know what it's like to be that age and still have a passion for like rapping and how it's looked at, and then how she even deals with, you know her levels of create creativity at her age. So it's, it's pretty good. Yeah. So let's um, just so that we, that it could be more interesting for the listener. Um, we should probably like watch it and do a deconstruction. That would be cool. Mm-hmm. And then maybe even talk about, you know, one of the songs or the soundtrack or whatever as well. That would be cool. Deja, mm-hmm. what did you think of the Grammy no- nomination? I only know about the hip hop nominations and I love them. I was so happy. I was so hyped. I'm so happy for hip hop right now. Like, oh, I was so happy. I mean, Tell us Main why. Street rap is kind of, they suffered at least in the hip hop album of the year category, but I don't care because my <laughs> niggas is on and I'm happy for my niggas. I'm happy for Royce. I'm happy for Freddie Gibbs. I'm happy for Alchemist. Um, Jay Electronica and even D Smoke. I, I haven't listened to him yet, but I checked out his Instagram after I heard the nom. And I think I have heard of his songs on Spotify actually, like in some related tracks or even in some of like my daily mixes mm-hmm. or even like maybe one of my Apple playlists. But um, yeah, he's cool too. Everybody's sweet. I'm, I'm so happy. I'm really happy. Wasn't, wasn't D Smoke the guy that was on that show? I, I don't think know. He, I know I think he's he, Sir's brother. Oh, is he? Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. I think yeah. he was on. I think he was on um one of the hip hop shows where they like were the same one this girl Mulatto was on. But I thought it was interesting to see him nominated for a Grammy as well. Piper, what did you think about the world being upset about the nominations? I don't care. I mean, the thing is that the the Grammys you know, are to me, there's still some BS. However, they're very important in terms of the music business. So I agree with Deja. I mean, these are artists that we've been looking to be, you know, celebrated, I don't know, 15 years Mm -hmm. ago, right? Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. this is such a long time coming. It's almost like, it's almost like a so what? (laughs) But it's not because definitely appreciate it. But it's like, you just look at the Grammys like they they need a late pass, you know? 
they yep. so late. Like it's it's almost like like literally like it's almost like who cares what the Grammy thinks because mm-hmm. we've known for so long. We've been literally screaming about these artists for like so long, and those m- most of the artists that you name have been you know completely snubbed or overlooked, even in hip hop awards and even in hip-hop honors so true yeah. overall even by time, blogs right? let's, i agree let's, let's yep. go to simpler things they get overlooked by the culture period by the culture mm-hmm. period on on lists right on top mm-hmm. five top ten i mean i will say that jay electronica is probably on thousands of people's top five right but i mean even just in terms of like being recognized for anything right like freddie gibbs like not like most of the artists you just named never get really recognized, right? They always have to be in the underground, underground, underground. And so yeah. I think possibly this COVID thing, because I think that J Electronica probably um, got a bit more traction because he released his song pretty early in quarantine and people were calling it the quarantine anthem or something like that for a while, remember? when he first released it. And um, I think, you know, with everything that's going on in the world, these artists that have more substance, people want more substance. Agreed. And so looking at these other artists that are pretty much like, you know, uh, tricks are for kids type artists, <laughs> you know, people don't, people don't want to hear that right now. They don't want to, like, I don't want, you know, people don't want to hear about your, you know, uh, run it down the line, capitalism, misogyny, whatever you're talking about, because that's not relevant right now. The Especially world is right. on a flip-flop. Right. I mean, People want to hear substance. Yeah, let's not get it twisted. Freddie is in that category that you just said, but he there is substance there as well. Like That's not all he talks about. And there isn't, like... It's a balance. Yeah. yeah. And it's respectable to, I think, the layers of hip-hop too, right? Working but I think that Freddie Gibbs, that yeah. Freddie Gibbs, I think he also did early in the uh, quarantine. He did that. Uh, what was that? Remember that video he did, and it was like a live performance video. And I was trying to think, was it Colors? No, the one that's like the hip hop Colors. I forgot the name of it. But yeah, he I, know, did, I, I know what you're talking it? about though. What'd you mm-hmm. say, Deja? Yeah, no, there's a color show, but I don't remember. I think he did do one. Remember he did it was like a um a live performance in the and um you know the, I mean I think that when these artists that have been doing these really um you know powerful moments of live performance during quarantine or even just giving music you know what I'm saying that speaks to something deeper I think um you know like super lyrical and just meaningful. I think this is what people want to hear right now. You know, this is what people are looking for. And I mean, even the other artists that, you know, didn't necessarily get recognized, you know, in this moment, they should look to what actually won, right? Like right now, like why were they even noticed, right? Because these artists have been here forever making amazing music for the longest time why were they never noticed before i think it's quarantine that allow people to actually be able to you know consume 
their music and then and have it be like, oh, this is powerful. I don't know. That's what I think. Yeah, and I, like you said, it 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 you know that type of music right now isn't really relevant with the times. People can't go to clubs. People can't really go to live music and drink and party and do those things. Not to say people aren't like listening to that music, but definitely people are sitting at home and you just gave the uh, astrological time. So, you know, it's a time where people are trying to figure themselves out and they are trying to um, figure out what direction they want to go in as the year comes to an end. So, yeah, I'd say hip hop can be upset. Um, The mainstream, the top 40 people can be upset. Um, I think it's the Grammys. I think they actually try to listen to people's feedback and make it more, you know, as people would call it, like include backpack underground rappers. And I think that it threw mainstream hip hop off, you know, because they feel, I think they feel as if one, like we all feel, like you said, Piper, the Grammys is completely disconnected. Who cares? But at the same time, they are, you know, relevant to the music industry. So I don't know. I think Drake made an interesting point in general about, you know, ownership and what it means for us to create our own value when it comes to um, uplifting our own rappers. But I think seeing these many people upset at the nomination shows you how hypocritical hip hop is. Because when they talk about, oh, these type of rappers say, oh, well, you don't have to listen to my misogyny, uh, misogyny music. You can listen to, you know, Freddie Gibbs. You can listen to, you know, sorry for my background. You can listen to Freddie Gibbs. You can listen to some of these other rappers that are making, you can listen to Rhapsody. You don't have to listen to WAP, you know. But now all of a sudden when these rappers finally do get the accolades, you, you say that the Grammys is out of touch. So it's interesting. Yeah, and you never know why people are saying that either, right? I would right. look at this. I would always look at the source. You know, who's who? Where's that coming from? Who's saying that? Mm-hmm. You know. So nope. yeah. Well, I don't know, Deja. Did you want to get into your topic next? I think those were her topic. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I definitely want to touch on this fashion Nova thing. Yeah, I only hear. Well, I already know that they still, you know, I brand ideas. So all of these like uh, fast fashion places do actually. So I don't know. So basically, over um, I don't know, a couple of days ago, um, there's a designer. Her name is Asia. Okay, and so long story short, she did a rant because Meg The Stallion had um pretty much stolen her uh her design and well it wasn't Meg the Stallion Meg the Stallion has a deal like Cardi B's deal with Fashion Nova and so um long story short I caught this this particular story off of um impressive the impressive channel but I've been but like you said Deja I've been on the um doing the knowledge about the um Fashion Nova and some BS stealing designs and all the terrible practices. But I did kind of like a, you know, I did, I got some, you know, facts and information for y'all, but pretty much um, this designer, this particular designer, her name is Asia, and she did this Instagram post. 
And so on the Instagram post, she basically broke down. She showed a picture of her design and then a picture of the design that Fashion Nova knocked off. And she talked about how, you know, they ordered her clothing and then, you know, had somebody remake it and then put it up there and then blocked her, right? And so a lot of designers have talked about how this has happened, but she named Meg Thee Stallion because it got used in the Meg Thee Stallion um, collection. And so um, Meg Thee Stallion did a whole uh, kind, you know, like fake apology, whatever. But I wanted to play, um, First, I, first, I wanted to play, like, you know, play the Meg Thee Stallion apology, you know, and then I wanted to, then I wanted to, um, you know, well, maybe I'll just play like what Impressive did, because it's not like that, that long. But um, here's, uh, you know, um, an Impressive, she has a great channel. If y'all don't know about her on YouTube, it's Impressive Channel. She does all the like celebrity gossip, blah, blah, blah. You know, I'm into that kind of stuff. But uh, <laughs> but here she does like a little bit of a breakdown and, um, you know, of, of, of what happened to this designer and other designers. And I just wanted to play um, a little bit of um, this clip because, you know, this this is so rampant. <laughs> you know what I mean? That... Um, it, it's so rampant that, you know, they get a chance to get away with a lot of, you know, just like all this theft, you know what I mean? Like, and it's, it's really, um, I don't know, like it's really uh, normalized to a point where like, you know, uh, I just want to shout out, first of all, the younger generation, like, you know, the millennials and, you know, Gen Z's. I want to shout y'all out because my Gen X generation calling something out like this would be considered a taboo. And it, you know, before the age of internet and all of that, and it, it could be like a, a career killer, right? To where when where it could silence people, right? Because it'd be like, oh, you know, you're a troublemaker type thing. Almost on some Me Too stuff, right? And so I just really appreciate the younger generation being able to get, you know, messages out and and being able to do things in a different way. But I want to share. So I'm gonna share now. This is from Asia's the designer's Instagram. I want to play a little bit of her Instagram because she went on a rant after she found out about it. So here we go. Laugh out loud. Y'all are a joke. Ozia also spoke more about the situation on her IG story. And this is what she said. So my last post um, is about Sebastian Nova and Megan Thee Stallion collection shit. And the thing is, for me, it's like, I've met you. You know my brand. You're aware of my shit. So... When you seen that dress, you approved it. And that's the foul part to me because there's this narrative that's like black women, we're the most unprotected and woo woo woman empowerment. We have to help each other, but all that goes out the window when it comes down to people wanting to get money. Very much so inauthentic, very much so fake. And 
I get the me and other designers that have also been, you know, had their stuff stolen. We get the short end of the stick. It's so tired. And I'm really tired of even doing this. But I have to say something and have to speak up because you're not going to disrespect me and think that's just going to be okay. I want Okay, so that was like from her Instagram story, right? And so, um, I mean, shouts out to her because that's what's up. Like, <laughs> I mean, that was so well. That was so well stated and so articulate. And like she said, it's 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 everybody is levels and stuff. Everybody has a a price. She pretty much said, which is powerful that she even like had the energy to say that out loud. Like you saying, yeah. I mean, and like I said, that could very well be you know what i'm saying like a um a career killer right i mean not i mean to me not now because i mean in the land that we're in now you know people have a lot of um outlets you know what i mean so folks are able to be able to get you know to their audience and so i think you know that makes it much better for this generation because y'all have the internet or we have the internet and there aren't those barriers, right? And those middle people preventing you from being able to have some sort of career or be, be taken seriously like that, right? So yeah, shouts out for that. So Megan, so, you know, Megan clapped back, right? Um, she was on um, a show doing an interview and I guess this, I guess this was supposed to be an apology, but to me, I mean, I don't, I, I really don't take it as apology. It's like one of them fake ass, like, it's not really an apology. So anyway, this is, this is how Megan responded to her. Addressing Asia. Yeah, like a lot of times people say that they talked to somebody from my team. I don't know what year that was. I don't know who. <laughs> what team? <laughs> what are you talking about? Like, And a lot of times, they won't even bring me, you know, they don't tell me who they talking to. Like, I've never, if, I'll probably never hear you. Like, if, if I had, I've, I've never seen a dress before. But <laughs> right. it's been a dress that has been done a lot, like, over the years. Um, so I feel bad that, you know, people's initial reaction would be to just come at me like, oh, you a black woman, you stealing from black women. Right. And I'm like, damn, hold on, sis, because, like, I don't know you. Like, <laughs> you know, it was a, it's a way to, you know, it's a way to come at people. Mm -hmm. Like, because it, if it, if it would have been a real misunderstanding, I would have never had a problem saying, oh, you know, I'm sorry, sis. You know, I would have to check my stylist. Like, mm -hmm. don't right. do that. That's not right. And then I would have had the dress taken down, whatever the money made from the dress. I would have gave the money to the girl if that's what, if that was really something that she felt like was stolen from her. Mm -hmm. But I don't feel like that was anything that was stolen. I really wish that people would just calm down before they react because mm. and yeah, I don't know. It's, nothing, it's nothing I can do, it's nothing I can say. I don't know you. Like so 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 okay, I just want to get y'all reaction to that right there. I mean, I think it's hypocritical what she's saying. She's basically saying it's a way that that girl could handle it. And I think it's a better way that she could handle discussing it 
I mean, I think her ego is a little bit in it, but whatever. Right. So what you got thoughts, Deja? Um, I'm kind of on Megan's side. I actually agree with the girl too, but um, I don't I don't I don't know. I'm I'm not mad at what Megan said. Like, but can you elaborate why you're not mad at her? Because she said, like she said, there's a way to come at people. And I feel like that girl was just angry. She was just spewing her anger all over. And I mean, she didn't really know who to direct it at. But I don't know. I don't feel like it was entirely Megan's fault. She she saw a deal and she took it and the girl came at her crazy. And I feel like if the girl had addressed it, oh, I don't know if the girl tried to address it differently before. And if she didn't get, you know, a response, so she had to resort to, you know, the anger, the angry black. I don't know. I don't know. I just feel like she didn't, I don't know. I just feel like she didn't go about it professionally. I guess right. that's the best way I could put it. Cause she just got, got mad and, and went on the internet instead of oh I don't I don't I can't say for what I don't know so that's why I keep saying I don't know but yeah I just I wouldn't have done it that way no I feel you so I'm gonna play so this was so she she saw what Megan said on the show or people sent it to her or whatever so then she came back and this is what's actually on her Instagram right now but she would have gave me money if I would have just came at her right. <laughs> Excuse me? I'm confused. Came at you right? What about when I should have been came at right? It's just recycled dress. But what about the text messages from the t your team? multiple text messages not to mention the day after i put this video out yet yeah, the day i i i made the post about the shit your team reached out to me again via text and email i'll post it on my story of with asking for you for close for you for the amas your stylist brooklyn styles But nobody knows about me. Nobody knows about my shit. I'm just a woo-woo-woo. Stop playing. We know what time it is. Don't sit in that interview and act like you don't know what's up. And discredit me. And condescend me. Because if it really was about a sisterhood and about protecting Black women as a way, you could have gone about that interview and uplifted not only me, but every other Black woman that came up in that motherfucking collection. It's simple. Yo, these, these designs came up. They are very similar to what we have. I had no idea. Let's just say you had no idea. I had no idea. So I wanted to give a shout out. We took those designs down. These are some brands that are amazing. Let's shop with them. And leave it as that. That's how you fix some shit like that. That's how you come at somebody whose stuff was stolen. I don't need to come at nobody like nothing. I'm right. coming at exactly the way I'm gonna come at. And that's it. Disrespectful. That was the opportunity. But for me, all I saw was more disrespect. 
so that's so that's that was her you know that was how she, that was how she took it but what do y'all think it's a hamster wheel i mean when, once you put something on the internet it becomes a hamster wheel like they just said like i do believe it and when you when you decide to handle it on the internet, like it's just going to become a back and forth. And now it just turns into two black women arguing about protecting black women, which is just like the dumbest thing ever. No, I hear you. All right. So let me go in on Fashion Nova. Um, so Fashion Nova, you know, we know it's basically, it's an online retailer and they specialize in fast fashion, right? And so we know that Fast fashion is basically, uh, it's, a, it's an industry and they, they make expensive looking clothing um, that's poorly constructed, you know, uh, taking all the latest trends and just doing them more cheaply. And then they mass produce this stuff and they use like low quality materials and they have like a fast turnaround. And so um, it's a lot of American retailers that are like really you know super guilty of fast fashion that you know I, we can name hundreds of them you know forever 21 zara there's just so many um and they they exploit black women they exploit immigrants they you know exploit you know undocumented workers um and you know fashion nova what they do is they basically introduce hundreds of designs of, of new styles every single day and um, what they try to do is they try to beat the major designers at introducing the trends. And so because the clothing is made at this really fast rate, the factory workers, you know, they just, they become, they, they're just basically overworked and underpaid, you know, both like they, and they, this is in the United States and overseas. Um, so Fashion Nova, a little bit of history, uh, the first boutique was founded in um, as a as a brick and mortar in 2006, and by this man named Richard Sagan, and it was in what's called the Panorama Mall that's inside Los Angeles, and eventually he opened up uh, four more store four more stores in LA in, in malls in LA, and then uh, 2013 is when he started the e-commerce portion of the, of the business as a site. That's when he launched that. And then he, he started using Instagram um, as a way to uh, basically market. And the, so Instagram became his main marketing tool. And so um, when he first started using uh, Instagram, his site sold out in just like a couple of days. And so he basically was able to grow the company from there and um, in 2017, um, you know, by 2017, which was like four years later, uh, they became the most searched fashion company, um, beating out like Gucci, Louis Vuitton, Givenchy, Chanel. And um, so a little couple of things about the company. They work with more than 1000 product manufacturers and 80% of their clothing is produced in Los Angeles in the summer. And in the cooler months, they make 80% of the clothing overseas. 
Uh, the majority of their clothing is priced between $10 and $40. And they have approximately 600 Fashion Nova employees. Um, the factory workers that of the factories that they work with are paid somewhere around $2.77 per hour. Um, at this point, they've accumulated nearly 20 million Instagram followers um, uh, in, you know, in 2020. Um, and they, you know, what they do is they do like really aggressive social media advertising and they pay influencers, uh, you know, to like wear the gram, wear the clothing on their Instagram. And then they post about 50 times per day. And so they're consistently releasing new items, right? Um, so far they've worked with about over 3000 influencers and celebrities, um, to promote the brand. And basically in return, they have them, you know, repost onto their account and then they tag them. And that's how they help them, uh, help the influencers, you know, build up their following. So, um, and the brand has been, you know, working with lots of celebrities. One of the most noted ones is, um, Cardi B, um, way back before, you know, uh, she was the Cardi B that she is now back in 2015, she said that she was being paid $20,000 a month to promote the brand. Um, and they, and even Fashion Nova said that in um, an article that like, if one of the Kardashians does a post, they could bring in like $50,000 just from like one post. Um, couple of things to note. So uh, I got a couple of quotes from the owner. So Richard basically stated of his customers um, is that they need to put out a lot of different, well, of his, um, of his brand is that they need to put out a lot of different styles and because their customer base probably only wears the item, you know, just a couple of times. And they, and they're the type of customer that likes to keep their um, Instagram feeds super fresh. And so he bragged about how he can get new styles turned around in 24 hours to two weeks um, because they manufacture, you know, in LA. And um, what they do is once they, once the sample's ready, they do a shoot with one of their on-call models and then they upload it to their site immediately. So a couple things to note about the company is um, the US Labor Department uh, wage and hour division um, found that many Fashion Nova garments were being made by workers with criminally, you know, low wages, right? We talked about the $2.77 an hour. Um, and a former leader of the department explained um, that it has all the advantages of a sweatshop system. And according to the New York Times and, and investigations conducted in 2016, um, they discovered that uh, Fashion Nova, like the clothing was being made in, in dozens of factories that owed about 3.8 million in back wages to hundreds of workers. And so the, um, basically the factories, they're hired by middlemen to produce these fashion brands. And so Fashion Nova, you know, they don't set the price standard for like, you know, or the wage standard, but um they do hire these independent factories who are taking advantage you know of their employees 
And so um, after they found, you know, a lot, after it was found that, you know, uh, they were uh, uh, partaking in all these violations, um, you know, the federal authorities basically stepped in and they met with Fashion Nova's lawyers to discuss the fact that over uh, four years, the, uh, their clothes were discovered in 50 different investigations. And so, um, so like, just to note, technically under the uh, federal law, brands, um, they can't get in trouble if they claim they didn't know that their clothes were uh, being made under illegal conditions. And that was Fashion Nova's main defense, right? So they claim, Fashion Nova says that they've updated their terms and conditions so that if they learn that a factory is violating labor laws, um, they'll, you know, uh, put the middleman on like a six month probation. Um, they also just completed a $1.7 million settlement that um, showed that they were violating customer rights because they were repeatedly failing to ship orders in a legally mandated timeframe. And um, it's also alleged that they committed other types of violations, such as uh, like failing to adequately disclose their return policy on their website. And so they weren't, they were like not offering refunds. They were just offering like store credit. Um, they were making the customer pay for shipping for like, you know, in, for their exchanges. Um, and they weren't um, issuing refunds if an item was out of stock, right? They were um, just giving them like gift cards or something like that. And that's illegal under the rule. And so the settlement is going to require them to pay like 250000 in restitution to um, said customers and um, 1.5 million in costs, penalties, and other fees. And so um, basically they cooperated with the investigation and um, they, you know, they basically said, they basically agree, um, cooperating in, in exchange for them not, um, ad, for them admitting no wrongdoing. So they basically get out of it, honestly. And so this all came after Versace sued them for knocking off that um, iconic um, J-Lo dress. Um, they also, you know, so that was a huge like copyright infringement. And basically they fought back saying that that print was something that's already available in the public domain and that Versace doesn't have um, the rights to it, which is crazy. And um, just, you know, just uh, uh, something for the future, you know, if folks know anything about me, I'm not really into fast fashion, I'm more into slow fashion, and just looked up a little fact on Forbes, and they said that secondhand fashion is going to grow 1.5 times the size of fast fashion by 2028. So that means that y'all's generations are getting it more together. But just wanted to give some of those facts about Fashion Nova as just a, a shitty ass company. You know what I mean? Um, but just wanted to get some of y'all's reaction. Like, are y'all into slow fashion or fast fashion or do y'all not care? Or where are y'all with that, with this issue? Um... I just like nice clothes. I like what I see. It, I don't know. 
I don't, I try not to support Fashion Nova anymore. Like, I haven't bought anything from them in years, but um, I just, I shot based off what I like, and that could be anything depending on the day. So, I don't know. I can't really say I like slow fashion. I do like designer stuff. So, I don't know. I just like what I like. I feel you. What do you think, same. Brittany? I feel this. I feel the same way. I mean, Fashion Nova sounds just like it sounds like the Chinese market a lot, where they recreate everything. Um, China's even worse at it. Their fashion markets are, but it doesn't surprise me. Um, I think it's horrible that they're stealing from up and coming designers. The Versace doesn't bother me, right? I'm like, okay, they've been doing that for years. But like you're saying, because they obviously not only advertise on the internet, they also probably have people who are looking at designs on the internet to turn around fashions that fast. So that just is horrible that their department isn't quote unquote sustainable. I mean, it's it just instead of they could make, I think, even more money if they did deals with up and coming designers versus filling from them and as far as the type of fashion that I like very similar to Deja I've had different phases when it has come to fashion and where I'm at and what I'm purchasing but I like what I like I like the older that I become I like things that last I like being able to you know pick out something and say you know while you know I got this back then and you know it it means this much to me or whatever whatever um you know I like pieces that mean something you know that you know I like one piece that can go with six different outfits you know sometimes I like to dress like a cartoon character just you know wear black wear the same clothes like the same style clothes same pieces just because I feel like you know being comfortable but it just depends on the phase I'm in depending on how much I care about fashion and then what I'm wearing yeah and just a quick note so I like that you mentioned China, right? Because Mm -hmm. basically in the 90s, what happened was an explosion from the Black designers. We kind of touched on this a little bit before, but that's where the hip hop, you know, um, as a business really exploded was the 90s. And one area, um, you know, rappers and, and people in the music business were learning was about diversifying um, you know, how they're getting their money in, in, in their portfolio. And so one thing that that happened to do that was in addition to all of these rappers and stuff getting into film is they also got into fashion. So um, you had from the 80s, you had Wooly Wear and you had a couple of people trying to do some things and then moving into uh, the earlier 90s is when you start to have your cross colors and um you know, your uh, FUBU, your Carl Kenai, your Maurice Malone, um, you know, uh, Baby Fat, Fat Farm, you know, uh, you know, all these kind of things, right? Because there was a period in time where, you know, uh, the Black consciousness was growing and that, you know, Black folks need to have, you know, their own. But what was happening is uh, on the one hand, folks were rebelling against Tommy Hilfiger, um, basically saying that he didn't want urban people wearing his clothes. 
and but yet and still urban people were you know making him rich and so one aspect of that was okay well we'll make our own Tommy Hilfiger looking type stuff and that's what people were doing you know our own polo type looking stuff and that was you know that was the rebellion but then what would happen is um as hip-hop fashion started to rise and a lot of the other brands started getting in there, you know, your Nietzsche's, Academics, you know, all these type of brands. Um, folks started learning more about the distribution and learning more about the manufacturing and production. And when they started learning more about that, it's like, oh, they start to get introduced to all these Chinese manufacturers. It's something that a lot of people don't know, like it, just like in hip hop, where the artists, in order to boost their numbers and boost their sales, their marketing departments and sales departments would go to the record store and will buy up the record. The same thing would happen. The same thing, and they or they will bootleg their own record just to like make it popular and get it out there. Well, the same thing that these fashion designers were doing. So the fashion designers, on the one hand, like your Donna Karens and Gucci and Fendi and all that, they would be out here complaining, talking about bootleg, bootleg, bootleg. Meanwhile, they got a whole nother business where they bootlegging their own stuff and getting it into the community. And, you know, folks would fly to New York and go to Chinatown and, you know, hide in the back room and have the gate pulled down and buy like the fake, you know, bag, like the $1,500 bag they buy for like $250. And so, you know, once, uh, you know, hip hop artists start learning this game because capitalism, right? It's the culture and the goal. They would like not really care about that middle part. And so they go to China and then what would happen? Well, they don't care in China, right? About your business. So you would go there with your design, your cut and sew pattern or whatever, while you thinking that you getting over cause you getting cheap labor. Meanwhile, they take your stuff and they bootleg it, right? So then, you know, that's when hip hop artists started seeing their stuff bootlegged in, uh, <laughs> downtown and they'd be like well i didn't make this i didn't make that and so that's been a practice in fashion for such a long time this sweatshop labor this slave labor this child labor and so what i really appreciate about the conversation in general what i appreciate about it being uplifted is although that wasn't her intention her intention was more personal and a lot of these black designers intention is more personal because they're like, okay, you stole from me and I get that. But what I like about the conversation in general is just having a larger conversation about slow fashion in general and just the whole idea of this mass produced, mass marketed, cheap, terrible fashion, which leads to bad practices. I mean, even in the New York Times article that interviewed one of the sweatshop workers, she talked about how the factory has rats and roaches and how um, she's only paid like per stitch or per piece. And so it's like four cents per side. So by the end of the week, she's only coming out. She's working 40 hours a week and coming out with like $200. Okay. And so, yeah, like we have, you know, modern day slavery happening in the form of the fashion industry. And it happens on all levels, right? All the way from your top high level brands, luxury brands, all the way down to like your everyday brands. I feel like in addition to this conversation about 
supporting black designers, which I think is super important. I think it's also important to have this conversation about, you know, our planet, you know, um, these cheap materials, you know, people being wait, uh, um, working slave uh, hours and slave wages, you know, are not being paid or compensated or working these terrible working conditions or, you know, being um, susceptible to these chemicals and these dyes and all this kind of stuff. We're just consume, 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 consume to where there's so much clothes being made that our landfills are just like full of clothing. And, you know, we talk about the ozone layer and the earth and everything. But anyway, I could go on and on. But I just, you know, that's why I even have a whole magazine, right, dedicated to uh, slow fashion, right? Where I just talk about slow fashion the whole time on uh, the studioarena.com, right? To just talk about this idea of less consumption and appreciating craftsmanship and appreciating the worker and, you know, not using chemicals. And anyway, I could go on and on and on, but... It, I just no, it's it's funny you that. talk about that. It's it's a good conversation. Uh, on I was on YouTube, and there's a show called "Why Is Something So Expensive?" and that was my first time seeing it. And they were showing like these like brushes that are being made like for makeup, and why they cost like I think I can't even remember how much they cost, but let's just say they were more than a hundred dollar brushes. So it's like breaking down like why you can get a brush for a certain amount. And why these were so expensive. And literally to make these brushes, you have to like go to an apprenticeship school for three years. And from there, um, you're allowed to like actually make these brushes and they're like handmade. And like, they like have like probably like eight women at a time who are making these brushes. So I'm not saying that they're the martyr of slow or sustainable fashion. Um, but it was just interesting to, I think that's what you mean when you say slow, sustainable fashion and, you know, keeping in mind who's making it and the craftsmanship and the, you know, the soul that goes behind the product. But I thought it was a, an interesting view on, you know, in this day and age where everyone thinks that they're saving money by, you know, doing it cheap, um, to see a company invest in, um, keeping the craftsmanship alive. And that's the challenge, right? Because, you know, we understand, it's not that we don't understand, right? About not being able to afford things or wanting to, you know, be able to have your needs met, but not being able to afford whatever, like, we get that. At the same time, though, it's like, all these things are connected. And, you know, at a certain point, we're going to have to change our consciousness and change our mm. practices. You know Agreed. what I'm saying? I do. If we want a better earth, if we want to have more sustainable, if we want to, you know, and it, this is all the way from our food to our clothes to, you know, all these types of things. And yeah, like, okay, you know, it's a, it's a different conversation than, than what she was talking about. But yeah, at the end of the day, please support Black designers, right? But but it's also a little bit, it's, it's the same conversation. It's just a bit more nuanced you know, what I'm talking about in the land of Fashion Nova is just one example of, you know, this type of company. Um, but a lot, most of these companies are doing this, right? Most of these companies are exploiting the worker, exploiting the creative person, you know, and that's the essence of capitalism is exploitation. And it's the fact that somebody's going to be on the bottom, 
You know what I'm saying? And I guess, you know, when we when we look at, you know, all of these systems that need to be, you know, transformed or reimagined or dismantled or whatever, you know, um, fashion is an area where there's still so much work, right? That needs to be done, like in every single aspect. Um, just like healthcare, just like education, just like, you know, everything mm. else. So just wanted to throw that in the mix. Um very interesting. Yeah, I can I can probably put like a period there. So so I don't know, Jaira, you what's our tech report looking like, my brother? It, it, <clears throat> I'm sorry. <clears throat> it is looking like we have a hacking group. Well, not necessarily a hacking group. It is a group of people that are trying to help find people that are missing. Um, they do not call themselves police and they don't try to go out as police. So they're just solely hackers that are just trying to help and they're using their resources to help find these people that are missing that um, the police or the FBI or just people, other family members just can't find their missing loved ones. And I have clips, but I don't, well, it's kind of a short, it's not a long um, story, I'll say. So, and the clips are kind of like, after reviewing them, it's kind of, uh, they don't they don't point at what I want to discuss pretty much. But um, I do have an article up. It's on vice.com if you want to look it up. And... Uh, all you do is just type in the hackers hunting down missing people and it should come up. But um, this happened, this was a while ago, but they are still looking for these people as far as um, these hackers. And it was a capture the flag game that they were starting off as this like um, organization. It was like a capture the flag where these hackers um, look for ways to publicly find these missing people, not using, you know, their hacking skills to go into um, areas they're not supposed to. So like not hacking, you know, their banking or, you know, personal, you know, uh, personal uh, virtual accounts. They only have to hack by things that are public and that are out to the world already. So like hacking their, like surfing the web of their Facebook or going on their um, pictures that are online and things like that. Um, but it's a DevCon, DevCon security, security conference that had a capture flag and they had a group of people go and look into these missing people cases. And a lot of the hackers even went and took it upon themselves to go look at look for these people even when the capture the flag, you know, was over. It's so like you know, on after hours, they were still looking for these people just because they were concerned about, you know, making sure that these people are found. So it's just crazy how hackers can be, you know, there for good and not just bad. Because most people when they think of a hacker, they think it's something bad, which is not even fair to think of, 
But that's just how the world has been brainwashed to think the hackers are bad when it, when they're actually really good. Yeah, so I'm looking at the article and like a couple of things that stand out to me. Um, so one is uh, it's like an open source event, right? Mm -hmm. And we always talk about open source on here. And basically the challenge, they had to find this, like it's public info, but it would it be like hard to find information, right? And yeah. they had like, you know, a particular target. And so the it was like a game. So once they get the target, then they, they get like a certain flag, almost like flag football or whatever. And yeah. um, so uh, something I, I see here, it says, that um, they had an event in Toronto and they were able to locate two people, which is amazing. Mm -hmm. yeah, it was and, great. And, yeah. And so, um, you know, the company is, uh, I guess it's called Trace Lab. And so they have like a Slack channel for the participants and they log on and they get their targets. And um, one was for like, they the ones, so I guess they get, Oh no, this this other channel, I guess it's called Motherboard. And so mm -hmm. the motherboard um joined the other channels during the DEF CON. And one target was to find a missing child, and the other was to find his mother. And the other one was to find a missing woman from Las Vegas in her 40s. And then another one was a Toronto man who vanished. And they were able to jump between channels and they found physical addresses, social media profiles, family members, frequented locations, aliases, IP addresses. And this is another piece of information um, that, that, that were useful to the uh, investigators and they pasted them so that others could see. And they were saying it was fully transparent and they wanted these teams to learn from other teams. So I guess, so they didn't have redundant flags. And so, um, yeah, I mean, I guess, you know, they, they, they say they have strict rules and all the information has to be publicly available. So they can't, I guess, it's a little different than a nefarious hacker because they're not looking for private information per se. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, um, they also, oh wow, it says they they were friending them on Facebook. They um they were commenting on their social media posts. Um, and it says they can't the hackers can't use passwords to enter accounts, even if the credentials are publicly online. Um, yeah, yeah. so those are interesting this points to know. Yeah. Yeah, it's um it just sucks that. Um, I feel like it sucks that it's, it's not known. Like, I feel like this should be bigger than what it is. Like, I feel, I feel like more people should know about this just so that the world can see that hackers aren't just terrible people and they can even probably help fund this, like, uh, this research onto finding missing people. You know, just all over the world, because there aren't there are there there are different ways of finding people rather than just going out 
and you know walking around or doing like uh, detective detective work you know there's like you know you can go on virtual space like online on the internet and find a lot of people because maybe it was just like some type of misunderstanding where someone you know walked wanted to get some break from the world and you know just happened to get back online one time out of this out of their little break and that could be like a you know way to finding more information where they are and um, what i think is interesting is um i think it's cool that they use the um you know the public information and they make it a game or whatever but what i yeah. i guess part of it too is you know the human trafficking phenomenon is really um is widespread and it's very nefarious it's a very lucrative business and it's permeated um many industries you know definitely we see it's permeated through entertainment um we see it's permeated through law enforcement and we see that it's a lot of different uh powerful forces you know all types of business you know, forces that have coalesced into creating the, these rings or these webs, right? And so I guess part of the um, dangerousness of um, what, uh, of, have, of, of having more people have access to this would be, you know, trying to figure out like, um, I mean, and, which is just the internet in general, which is the dangerousness of the internet in general, which is like, the who has access, right, to this information. You understand what I'm saying? Because um, while people like yourself and the rest and, and, and us on this call, right, like many of us will have good intentions, right? But, but human trafficking in and of itself is such a huge, you know, terrible, right, phenomenon that, yeah, like how how would you like if it like if you were the one regulating all of this, like how would you um be able to, you know, make this be safer? You understand what I'm saying? So that it so like if you were to open this up and have it be available to more people, then how would you have this be safer? Um, as far as like looking for people. Yeah, in, or... in this in this kind of way, right? Because like like right now, right? Like it's easy to find somebody online, pretty much. I mean, mm -hmm. and and like you said, some people don't want to be found. But then at the end of the day, everyone isn't doesn't necessarily have good intentions, right? Which is why the human trafficking business is so huge, right? And so, um opening this up and making it available more widely available how would you open it up and have it be you know where uh the people who are helping look for people are not trying to look for people to further harm people you know well you could just like reach out to a different um we could have it to where it's like a event kind of like the same thing toronto they did that they did in toronto like making it into like an event and just bringing it out as something um, as more so as a challenge, but in a way to 
help persuade people to want to find them because I feel like if you just put it out there just with no reason behind it, then most people wouldn't even have interest in it at all. Um, yeah, you just got to find ways to help because most people don't like doing anything unless it's benefiting them or not even just that or if it's not, if it doesn't seem important to them, they wouldn't do it. So I feel like you just got to figure out ways to um, benefit both sides, like the hacker and the person. Um, well, well, just the hacker in general, I'll say. But I guess my question to you, because you want to go into the cybersecurity, right? Like how, mm -hmm. would, like, so this was maybe like a more, controlled environment or controlled event and maybe that's the way to do it is to have it be more controlled but I guess I'm just looking at it like because when because opening up being able to you know have people's information be more so that more people know how to find information you know I remember uh I mean that's the reason that a lot of people don't post their kids online right or people don't want to post where they live online or they don't do the geotagging or, you know, I'm here at the zoo, right? Like a lot of people, you know, there's a lot of people who just don't do that because they don't want to put themselves in jeopardy, right? Because anytime you put something online, it becomes public domain, public information, and then it's harder to fight, right? When uh, invasion of privacy and things like that. But also too, it makes it easy for anybody to be able to track who you are, where you are, be able to use your information, your identity, come pull up on you at any moment, you know? Um, and so I guess, you know, in finding, and, and even when you think about human trafficking or, you know, trying to find people, um, there is a level of danger, right? In trying to find people, right? Because if a person has been uh, taken into uh, human trafficking, then you're you may have to encounter right some some couple of levels of danger to help get that person right and so how and which could put that person in jeopardy right it could put that person in danger and so i guess when you open up you know this kind of thing i guess i'm just wondering like you know the train of thought is like how to help people be safer right how to help how to help uh, people and and keep them safe. Like that's just like a thought that I'm having as as you know reading the article and listening. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's there are some things you have to bring into account. You have to make sure it's um, done correctly because you also have to have them. You have to also weigh out the bad hackers from the good because some people would pose as a good hacker and then they're so you know, purpose is just to terrorize everything because there are people that just don't care about the benefits of helping. They just want to destroy. So you just got to make sure you find the right group of people and setting out those strict rules. And there also have to be a lot of monitoring just so that people follow the rules because it's very easy for hackers to... Um, you know, go into a different direction as far as when they're uncovering information on people. Mm -hmm. Hey, Jaira, 
I saw that they were, um, you, you talked about it a couple weeks ago, having um, a personal VPN. And I was telling you that I, I noticed that most corporate corporations have them. But I saw an mm-hmm. advertisement today where they're, they're, um, they're selling, like I said, personal ones. What are your thoughts on that? And how does that coincide with hackers world? Is it harder? I'm sure it it's harder for a hacker to get through a VPN, right? Uh, what, what do you mean by hacker to get through it? Like VPN basically protects protects your the like it creates a network or protects the network you're on, correct? Yeah, and it hides you pretty much in making it where you're untraceable to um, people that are trying to market you as far as your location because most like Google for example or Amazon especially they use your location to market you like they figure out where you live and then they um, send all the ads that are in that area or that's trending in that area to you or you know just different things like that they just try to use your location or your um, yeah where you live to you know sell things to you and do you know VPN what, just hmm? do you know what the interaction would be when a when a hacker sees someone has a VPN set up? Well then I don't think they necessarily would know. And well they okay. would know, but it would be a lot harder because with a VPN it, it'll say like you're in you're in Florida or you're in uh Alaska, but you're originally in, you know, Michigan. So unless they yeah, it'll be a lot of, and then some VPNs, they have logs and logs are like, it's what VPNs, it's what uh, detectives or just people in general, hackers in general can use to um, go back and see who is the person using the VPN. But some VPNs don't have logs, so that's good because then, you know, it, there's no way it will trace back to you in any way or form. Interesting. So I like it. And Piper, in regards to um the um the sex, the uh the I can't think of the name of it. Um the uh you know what I'm trying to say, the the human trafficking? Yeah, human trafficking. Sorry, I got a brain fart, but it's funny, I saw this uh like 20 minute documentary over this over the weekend about how they're currently trying to hold WhatsApp, which is, I think, I think Facebook brought that. I'm not 100% sure, but the WhatsApp what's app. And then there's another app that that's where all the human traffickers put these people on. So basically they're telling these, uh, they're telling, you know, a lot of these tech companies in Silicon Valley, like your hands are just as dirty. Like you're basically allowing these people to set up commerce on your app. So I just think that's that that's a crazy connection of how like things don't stop just because technology is introduced. They just continue to evolve, you know, so. Yeah, I mean, and then, you know, next level now is everything is mobile. Right. And mm-hmm. so you have you have your Wi-Fi networks, you have your Internet networks and then you got your cellular networks and now you got the 5g and whatever else is coming down the pipe right and so just like you could go on the internet with your cellular right you can with your cellular network right 
So, um, you know, a lot of these newer hacks are learning how to crack into your actual cellular phone, right? And although, you know, an Android is much more susceptible, they, they make a lot of, they make stuff for iPhone as well. Because now that iPhone is open, right, they, they have shared platform. So now, like how Jaira was talking about earlier, how with his parents, he has to try to talk to him and tell him, don't click on everything, right? <laughs> uh, be careful what you're clicking on, right? Um, look things up, like go to the site directly type of thing. Um, and it's interesting because even now, I'm, I, what, what what's going to interest me too is, you know, these um, voice chats, like the new social media is the voice chat, like Clubhouse and all this kind of thing. I'm interested in, um, you know, uh, I think about uh, with these phones now, they have where your fingerprint can open your phone or your eye, you know, the retina scan or your voice. Um, uh, what do you call it? Dedicated voice um, recognition. And so, you know, when you're in these um I'm interested about when you're in these voice chats, how folks could like record your voice, make an imprint, right, of your voice and use your voice in different ways, right? So that this new, I mean, as as this whole AI meets uh, biotech is like, you know, evolving um, that, you know, when I think about hacking, you know, I also thinking about like counter hacking on on the bio and a cellular level you understand what i'm saying yeah carry messa yeah because a lot of the technology is like a hybrid you know bio like biotech you know what i'm saying so i don't know it's just i don't yeah, know Jabber. your work is cut out for you my brother <laughs> yeah because there's a lot of ways that um essentially I like when I do get to that point where I learn how to hack uh, even more, I essentially I could hack your phone because believe it or not, people don't think these newer phones when they're scanning, when, when you're unlocking it with your eye and when you're locking it with your face and your you know thumbprint and things like that, you, you, they don't know you all don't know this, but it's being saved on the phone. So like you could technically go onto the phone and go to its like uh, locked, encrypted uh storage and you can find like pictures of your face every time you log in it will have like it'll store pictures of your face so that the phone remembers what your face looks like so like if a hacker really wanted to they could hack into your phone and they can get like a scan of your face and easily store that to their you know device and just get into your phone Yeah, they're doing that in China. Did you see that? Yeah. Yeah, yeah they're, like stealing, they're like stealing people's faces and stuff and then using them. Yeah. And then even like your relatives, right? So like mm -hmm. if, if your relative has a has a similar facial print, you know what I'm saying? As yours, they could get into your phone if your phone, you know, it's just a little machine. So if it, you know, makes a mistake, a couple dots here and there. But also, too, you know, it, all this stuff is being saved also, not just to your device, but it can also be saved into the cloud, you know? Definitely. So, yeah, they have access. I mean, I'm, I'm going to keep it a buck. I don't use 
my facial recognition or my thumbprint or none of that. I don't use none of that technology because I'm like, I don't want my bio scan to be in the ethers. It's bad enough that I got mad pictures online, but I'm like, they don't actually need my, my, my bio scan and my DNA. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Um, yeah, that's all pretty interesting. Do you have thoughts, Deja, about any of this? Um, I just think that's crazy what Jared just said. I'm over here flipping out because I, <laughs> I, um, like I use facial recognition and I started using it um, because it was more convenient when I was when I needed to open my phone when I was driving, and. I knew it was like bad when I did it, but that just gave me the heebie-jeebies. Like, <laughs> oh my gosh, I feel like there's a worm on my skin right now. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I know I'm being watched at all times, and my mom and I look almost identical. And I, it amazes me that I can't open her phone with my face sometimes because she uses facial recognition too, but. I'm just surprised for as much as we look alike that I can't open her phone. Hmm. So it's interesting that in some places for some people that that actually works. Well, maybe, well, it also, it it scans your, well, now with the newer updates, it scans your eye. So it takes like Mm. pictures of your eye. Oh my God, that's even creepier. <laughs> oh. Yeah, it uses it uses retina to detect your eyeball and like takes a picture of it and memorizes it and like you know because everybody's eyeball isn't the same. Right. No, we I do have different eyes than my mom. I have yeah. a shape closer to my father's shape, but it's interesting because I just thought about um, Charlie's angels, like the the ones from like twenty years ago, the Drew Barrymore and Carmen Diaz ones. And um, in those movies, they were using, like, fingerprint stuff to open doors and eye scans and all that stuff that we're using now. And back then, I thought it was great. Like, I thought that I thought it was sweet. But now I feel like it's a complete invasion and violation. And, yeah, I hate it. I don't like I don't like the way this this world is going and headed in. We're going to have to do a, a show on um, the, 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 the vaccine. But uh, um, did you I had a patient tell me today that he didn't want to come in. His glasses, um, something was wrong with his glasses, and he came in to get them fixed, I think. And he was telling me that he didn't want to get an exam until they come out with the COVID vaccine. And I laughed. <laughs> but he was serious. And I was like, we just kind of looked at each other and I was like, oh, okay, well, if you change your mind, you know, we're here. <laughs> I'm like, wow, people are really, oh, no, I don't want one. My coworkers and I were talking about that today. I still don't want that in my body. Mm-mm. I definitely don't. Especially I not still have the to government. Get a gonna, right? It's especially the government's going to give it to you. That's scary. But, um, yeah, I mean, did y'all see Gattaca? Hmm? No. Y'all never saw Gattaca? Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Oh my God, y'all got to see that movie. It's maybe 20 years old or so, but yeah, I really don't even want to tell y'all the movie. But let's but let's just say it's everything what we were talking about, just like you said. Um, 
about this. Yeah, y'all gotta see Gattaca. Anybody listening? Y'all on the phone. It's hard to tell you without giving it all away. But let's just say it's in the future and it's very much what's going on right now. Hmm. And I just don't want to give give away the plot. I don't know how to tell you the movie without giving away the best parts. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's it's, it's, familiar, it's it's really really good. I mean, probably it's twenty something years old now. So when you see it, you're probably gonna be like, oh. But if I you think like about prophetic. it, yeah, it's prophetic. Like if you look at if you think about it, where we were twenty years ago, and you watch it. With that type of mindset, you'd be like, oh man. So yeah, it's interesting. But mm. but yeah, I don't know. Let me see. We've been talking now a couple hours. I wondered uh if we should call it quits and then we talk about some more stuff next week. How y'all feel about that? Perfect. Sounds good. Sounds good. Okay. So Jaira, um, you got any last words for folks? Um Make sure y'all be safe and don't go clicking on everything that pops into your um, email or just your phone. Don't trust everything. And um, yeah, make sure you uh, stay cyber safe. Hey, Jaira, how do people connect with you to get them hot beats? Oh, you can just go on my Spotify, uh, SoundCloud, or you can also go on my... um, uh, YouTube as well under J Y R, the number three H. Okay, Deja, you got any last words? Um, stay safe and yeah, listen to some good tunes. That's all. And then, how do people get in contact with you to see their thirst traps? What? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just picking on you. No, you be oh. having good. You have nice. I like. I like your. Uh, I like. Your- <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Thank you, Piper. <laughs> oh, um, yeah. My Instagram is Katori T. That's C A T O R I I T. Brittany, any last words for folks? Just stay safe and have a good week, guys. Brittany, tell us how folks can get some Negro pizza. It's Food Detroit on Instagram. All right. And you've been uh, stepping up your game with that uh, that new um, uh, backdrop. That uh, uh, Shouts out to John- Dontrell for hooking you up with that. Uh, I know. It's book. so nice. Pictures it of actually, it so good. Thank you Food so much, Piper. Real tasty, yeah. Thank you. And you know, you can uh, check me out on all social media on Piper Carter, and you can check us out on all social media for Piper Carter Podcast. So on Instagram and Facebook is PC dot podcast. We have a in a Facebook group where you can connect with us and ask questions and interact with one another. That's Piper Carter podcast. And soon we'll be on YouTube and just reminding folks that we're getting close to our hundredth episode. This is the 97th episode, but we're getting close to our hundredth episode where we're going to start to go live. So 
look forward to that and hope y'all will join us and you can check out Detroit is different and all the other podcasts on Detroit is different.net and on all social media, Detroit is different. And we'll see you next week. Peace. Remember to like, share, subscribe, and always listen on Stitcher, Google Play, Apple Store, and Spotify. Some were gracious, see me putting work, knew I'd be going places. Guy huddling with my angels, drawing up the plays. Overheard I should get ready, almost harvest day. Seeds planted, and y'all can check the resume.